I see the best minds of my generation and those who came later destroyed by a naked need for likes and shares, desperate for recognition, for acknowledgement, amidst a cacophony of voices and grievances and joys, in between the photos of food and kittens and pandas overwhelming the sense of shared living comes the far-reaching cries of injustice, but not just injustice, unfairness that used to blanket a whole cloth sense of humanity as a semi-unified body, but now is chopped and scrapped into individual pieces of personal offense and perceived pain. In a quasi-comatose stupor and a half-hearted attempt to see the world through digital retinas, these best and brightest are mired in the soup of the mediocre and below average. Some leverage the noise shoving their cyber vocal cords through the mist into a larger sense of communication, but for not, as the double-edged sword of misinterpretation and cognitive bias taints even the truest words typed upon a tiny screen and sent into the ether. The city is a mirror image of the online world they navigate. Too many people with too many issues all clamoring to be heard and understood and given preference. Impersonal glances, cold stares, ready to prejudge one another with only immediate perception to prejudge one another by. These naked and exposed bodies, these cloisters, cloistered and hidden minds, these avatars of existence colliding on subways and in convenience stores and in line at the bank. The city is in so many ways merely a shadow of the seemingly real existence in cyberspace. I see yet others living far from the cityscape, isolated from the noise and filth in the heartland, the Bible Belt, the vast areas far away from the rats and vagrants in those beautiful melanin peoples, these slowly decaying bones of the skeleton of the country, watching the rest of us through the lens of the fox." experiencing an overload of city life via that pervasive and putrid screen, watching the law abuse the blacks and browns, labeling them terrorists and mongrels, the bleeding hearts of the media branding them as too stupid to understand the world in their own terms and pretending that the mirror of the city is really the city. The immigrant the fuckboy, the bro, the sorority sister, the soccer mom, the bank retail manager, the kid who delivers your Amazon box, all become incarnations of branding. The expert on undocumented youth, the relationship guru, the conspiracy theorist, the Instagram bikini model, the home chef, the workout king, the anonymous hacker. In the carbon copy of reality, each of us becomes someone else, someone more important, someone to pay attention to in a high school pageant where attention is the tiara we crave. As the city of Facebook continues to divide, like the warriors in the Walter Hill joint, each adopts a gang, the white pride boys, the queer and proud ex, the leftist army of identity fetishists. Martin, Malcolm, and Bobby never saw this amount of segregation happening. Long after my flesh is gone the way of soil and ash, this surreal, digitized version of ourselves will be gone as well. And what will be left will be a sad judgment of who we pretended to be and how we posed and flexed for our cameras. The false power of popularity and notoriety and quasi-fame exercised in the careless destruction of lives for pettiness and avarice. 
It is those who come much later who will determine our sin, and we will not be seen as we saw ourselves. We will be seen as narcissistic monsters, unable to look away from our foe city, unable to see those surrounding us, unable to see. I'm no poet. While this is true, it is likewise true that I love poetry and from time to time indulge the urge to write some. As I started to search for the thread of this idea behind the piece, it kept bringing me back to Ginsburg's howl. So this was my best version of an ape of howl. Um, if you'd like more poetry or more word jazz or whatever you want to call it, you can go onto Amazon and buy a book of my poetry if you feel like it. It turns out that we Americans are really lonely. One would think that a natural conclusion to aging with its concomitant loss of capacity and the dying off of those whom we knew would be some semblance of loneliness, but it seems improbably true that the young are experiencing loneliness like never before. Feeling lonely and isolated has become the default condition in America, and lonely people become like the drowning man clutching at anything wildly to prevent being swallowed up by water. Like a wounded bird, he lashes out in indignant rage and despair for one more gulp of air, one more moment of life, not going gently but with the strength of the last gasp reserved for those ridiculous moments of adrenaline-fueled individuals who lift cars to save a life or the crazed fury of someone on PCP. I suspect that Donald Trump is crushingly lonely. And looking at the man's life, he has spent his days bamboozling others, rising to power through a P.T. Barnum view of suckers and marks. Without genuine intent be upon becoming president, he was elected to a position he didn't really want and was, and is, woefully unqualified. Beset by a fourth estate that made billions on his rise and then makes billions on his fall, of course, loyalty is his metric. Of course he attacks the fickle press, married to a stranger, a wake of botched affairs and tax fraud that follow him no matter how powerful he becomes, vapid and stupid children except for Ivanka who gets by because she's pretty but not because she's brilliant. The knowledge that he will be known in history as the worst president of this country has to be a daily horror. This seems to be an effect on us for a variety of reasons and angles. The slow decline of religion, once the center of social life, the rapid change of technology surrounding courtship effectively eliminating the slower attempt to get to know one another and replacing it with a finger swipe. The increase in bureaucracy in pursuit of simple life alienates us from one another, whether it is to procure a driver's license or see a physician without bankrupting oneself. Whatever the causes, the effects of this bizarre loneliness in the midst of more humans populating the planet than ever in history, and in contrast to how many the planet can sustain, are dire. I think back upon the opening sequence of Mike Judge's Idiocracy. An educated white couple keep putting off having children because they have things to accomplish before they make that commitment, intercut with an uneducated white couple who have babies with abandon. Judge's point is that the more kids coming out of idiots balanced by the lack of children from the learned class equals idiocracy. From a slightly shifted perspective, one of those couples seems unbearably lonely, and the other doesn't have time for all that. 
I lived with a woman off and on for four years who wanted to have kids because I need someone to take care of me when I'm old. At the time, I thought that was among the worst reasons to reproduce, but in light of our national individualism resulting in a country filled with lonely people, maybe her motivation wasn't complete lunacy. We are a culture of individuals. The customer is always right. Our feelings of oppression are tantamount. Lived experience replaces evidence and objective information. We couldn't possibly have taken this pandemic seriously because our connections with one another are so frayed and torn. The myopia of seeing ourselves as important and special prevents us from seeing anything else. Like a nation of people drowning, we grasp the closest belief system, white supremacy, black separatism, ecological doom, the cult of identity, and frantically use ideology to replace the illusion of individual significance we thought we had. We are lonely because to acknowledge that the rest of humanity is the ark with which we avoid the flood is to admit that we each are expendable. We are lonely because we recognize that every one of us is replaceable, and it is to confirm that our feelings and our lives are simply not as important as we deluded ourselves into believing. This is the true meaning behind the pejorative snowflake. Not that we are delicate and notable, but that we are highly individual flakes in a bank of similarly highly individual flakes amounting to nothing but crystallized water subject to the temperature to survive. Thus, the clawing at relevance and fame and influence, the drowning reach for recognition and power, the furious cries of, see me, look at me, and the outrage when everyone else is too busy yelling the same to acknowledge your need. The price of individualism and self-importance is inevitably loneliness. Some of us are loners by nature or nurture. We are alone frequently but are not lonely. We are apart, yet not isolated. It seems that those of us of that proclivity are better suited to pandemic than the rest. We grew up without the illusion of stability or security. We are the latchkey kids, the children of divorce and fending up for ourselves. We learned to be just a bit more self-reliant than self-involved. Few indoctrinated us into believing we were important or notable, and those of us who became notorious and known are less impressed by it than others. Granted, we still yell, look at me, yet refrain from getting all butthurt when no one notices. We carve out our places and read our science fiction novels and watch our movies from VHS to DVD to cable to streaming. We were the kids who hung out at the Blockbuster video on a Saturday night, who sat in a par- in parking lots smoking found squares, who roamed the byways of malls making random but harmless mayhem. We saw the farce for what it was, and we still find it funny. Instead of clawing for purchase to avoid the sea, we simply dog paddle our way to something solid and hang on for a bit until we get a second or third or fourth wind, So we can paddle our way to the next floating piece of wood. We know there is no truly solid ground and are fine with that knowledge. We, like most, fall prey to the siren song of being youthful and embraced the trappings of the young in order to avoid facing our decaying bodies, but some of us get past that. I've said before that I've been waiting to be in my 50s since I was a teenager, and it was and is true. This rejection of loneliness is not nihilism. It is the acceptance of less, less social interaction with a higher quality to that which we ultimately give and take. 
less need for dopamine spikes and commendation and more gratitude for autonomy. We understand the social contracts required and still skirt the rules. We are John McClain, Martin Riggs, and Ferris Bueller. We are Veronica Sawyer, Princess Leia, and Sarah Connor. We are Ash, Axel Foley, and Beetlejuice, Dante and Randall, Cher and Josh, Wayne and Garth. We are Ellen Ripley. We are Mark Renton. And we, for the most part, and at most times, are not lonely. Peculiar Journeys is a weekly podcast featuring stories and thoughts from an arrogant, overly confident white guy. Lots of episodes were recorded while I was living in Chicago, and now I'm in Las Vegas. Check out donhall.vegas for updates, and subscribe at Apple Podcasts. <laughs>